investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 49 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So there's been quite a bit of talk uh, in recent times throughout the media about the prestige market in Melbourne and certainly how has it been impacted um, by interest rate movements and the the downturn that the market's seen over the past 12 months um, compared to the majority of the Melbourne market. So I thought it might be a good idea today uh, to speak with someone who is right in amongst that sector of the market 24-7. So I'm joined by Joel Fredman. Joel's the founder and director of Fredman Property Group. Uh, He's got a long-standing family history in property going right back to his roots in the UK. Uh, Joel's based predominantly in Melbourne's prestige Bayside suburbs of Brighton, Hampton and Sandringham. Um, And I thought he'd be a great place to start to give us some insights into how the prestige market in Melbourne is travelling at the moment. So welcome, Joel. Thanks very much for joining me. It's a pleasure, Jared. Thanks for having me. No problems at all. So um, I just, I guess, to give uh, the listeners a, a bit of background, what um, what got you into the real estate industry? Um, not all that long ago, real, um, relatively speaking. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose there was always a bit of a natural progression. Um, sort of having grown up in in the UK, and um, you know, Dad had a property business over there for a number of years. Okay. Uh, Mum was really into her design and. And architecture, and um, we loved checking out properties in in the countryside, in the city, or whatever it was. And even when we moved over here in 06, um, it was again just a bit of an obsession. We used to watch all the shows. Uh, <laughs> property ladder was a classic in the UK, and then selling houses, and always just had a, had a love of the the showcase of, of of fixtures and finishes, and the made the way that homes make you feel. I yes. think it's the emotion. Um, we're quite uh, sort of emotional beings and the connections and the entertainment of the house and how it's used. And I think it was just one of those things that you kind of just get hooked and it's quite a natural, effortless kind of thing. And um, that's sort of where it all kind of started and it's still still like that now, really. That background that you mentioned with your uh, your mother being in um, the more styling side of things and having that attraction, I guess that leads quite well into um, that prestige market that you're so active in down in the base. Yeah. So what are what are some of the for a, um, perhaps we have a lot of um, clients and yeah. listeners who aren't necessarily Melbourne based. So what are some of the key features that that you talk about with people that define the prestige yeah. market in the Bayside areas and how does that yeah. differ do you think compared to say some of the other areas around Melbourne the Turax or the Burundara yeah. type locations oh it's actually it's so interesting and the more I drive around the more I notice the differences um, I mean in in Brighton and the Bayside area there is just such a mixture of, of styles of, of, of the land sizes of what is considered by the general market as A grade or B grade um, or anywhere in the middle. Um, you know, you go to a Turak, for example, and some of the most incredible, um, most renowned rows, they're just basically blooming with great estates, you know, huge amounts of land, yep. unbelievable builds, um, and there's just a real aura of, uh, of wealth and prestige has kind of lining those streets. Um, I find in Brighton in particular, 
Um, you know, one street can be obviously very lovely and have some lovely period homes, but a lot of them haven't been really renovated. Um, and then the next row can have some beautiful brand new builds um, and have a more luxurious feel. So it's just quite scattered and quite inconsistent, I find, in Brighton. So if you actually look over the um, sort of the number of transactions over the, the, let's say, the space of a year, you'll see some really beautiful ones. Um, but the majority are um, properties that, you know, need quite a lot of work or, or land to build and things like yeah. that. So we've got huge divisions from the top to the bottom, I suppose. Um, I find that there's a bit more development going on to the point where there are some beautiful new houses coming on. It's just obviously a lot slower now, but there's just really not a lot of option for people um, to, to choose from. But again, it's that A-grade stuff. It's top end. There's, there's a luxuriousness to it. Um, I associate a high standard as well. Yeah. And it connects with those that really want the nicer things in life. Um, and it all kind of comes together with we want the great school and we want the yes. beautiful home and we want the, the, the kids to love the garden and to have a great pool. And, you know, we want a beautiful kitchen and everyone kind of interconnects with the way that they live and they work and it's all at a high level. Yep. So, um, given, so yeah. given that different, um, like you mentioned, the different types of um, of properties, and mm. it, it does have more of a, an almost an old world feel in some of the parts yeah. of Turak, where it, it does have a bit more of a modern influence, I think, down the Bayside areas. Yeah, what is there a different type of buyer profile um, in those, yeah, two, I those think, type, um, two type of areas? Yeah, I find that there's there's a portion of the market where there's um, a, a little bit of a consistency. I mean, I just sold a house the other day to a family that were dead set on Turak. Yep. Um, but uh, Brighton actually showcased more value for a contemporary home with a basement okay. compared to what they've been trying to buy over in Turak. Um, so that was in that sort of $7 million price bracket. Yep. Um, but then when you get up to the, to the upper echelons, um, there is definitely more of a you know, a, a purely Turak buyer versus a purely Brighton buyer. Um, there's a, a, a big, um, a, I suppose, a big focus on those that are always upgrading in Brighton who are going from, let's say, the $5 million house up to the 8 the 8 up to the 12 So it's kind of constantly climbing the Brighton ladder and always staying right. in Brighton. Yep. You know, so that's quite a big deal. And is that a geographical uh, thing too, Is it in terms of yeah. where they want to be? It is where they want to be. I, I find that, um, you know, the kids go through school, um, everyone gets entrenched in Brighton. Um, we're spoilt with beautiful shopping precincts. Um, the transport's great. You know, the water is there. Um, and we're so connected to great suburbs like Elwood and Sandringham and things like that. And, you know, you kind of got everything that you need. Um, but I find that people do find it a challenge to leave Brighton unless it's for a very particular purpose. Um, some people get to the end of Brighton and go, look, you know, we've done it for decades. I'd like to try now a park and downsize or a South Yarra. But that mainly family market, they tend to get quite hooked um, because of the lifestyle that it offers them here. So I find that people are always kind of moving around. I'm dealing with the same buyers quite a lot or okay. people that they know. Yep. And it's like, I know people here, they speak so highly of it. You know, the kids go to this school, let's go to that school. So it is it is rather, um, yeah, just a rather sort of connected community type sort of movement, I suppose, with real estate buying here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, given that um, we've had such a, a significant impact in property 
not necessarily from a negative perspective um, during the COVID period. How did you find it down Bayside Way during um, the pandemic? Um, if you just want to give us a bit of an overview from start of yeah. 2020 through till um, towards the end of, well, the start of last year, I guess. Yeah. I actually found it, um, considering how negative the energy was in terms of the, the, the living um, start, situation yeah. and um, the, just the, the chill in that, um, there was a serious buoyancy um, in that upper end okay. because those that um, obviously had access to funds um, had the means to do things um, and even if they didn't had the real desire to make a change, people had to, they had to try and find something exciting and new for themselves because if it wasn't work um, or if it wasn't travel or whatever it was, we need a really great house. We want the kids to stay with us. We want to to make the most of our lives. Um, we want something newer, more modern, better quality. We want more land because we're obviously quite compact in the way that we're living at the moment. Um, so we were transacting some some properties, to be honest, more than we'd ever had before. Right. Um, you know, in the sevens and eights and twelves and thirteens and all that sort of thing. Um, and people weren't afraid to to pay the right sort of money for it, um, you know, and, and the vendors, I think at the same time, had gotten a little bit sick of their properties um, and, you know, wanted to cash out. Um, so it was a quite a tremendous period, actually, for us. There was a um, lot of that um, want to upgrade is almost that, as you said oh, before, that I can't go away on holidays, I can't leave Melbourne. So yeah. if I'm going to have to spend this amount of time at home, yeah, I may as well yeah. improve the house. And because there was extra savings involved there was an ability to be able to do that i guess yeah yeah absolutely how did you um how did you find that experience from your end with um with the buying side yeah we definitely saw that in the buying side it was it was very it was very hit and miss to start with that we was talking to some one of the um a, a prospective client last week and it was the discussion was very much at the start of the pandemic everyone um, sort of sat back and said, right, I'm not doing anything. I want to see what's going on because it was such yeah. a, an unusual experience. But then by the time we got to, say, um, the middle of the year in 2020, people could see that um, this wasn't going away anytime soon mm -hmm. and that they needed to be able, be prepared to do things. So people all of a sudden started to get out into the marketplace and then it, the market took off. And so then we started to have a few clients say, well, I'm going to sit back and wait because the market's yeah. too hot at the moment. And I'm, I guess so where, yeah. as you know, we're typically more active in the investment space. So yes. they, there's a lot more susceptibility to um, confidence. Yes. Whereas sometimes in that prestige space, it's its own little world. Oh, it's so emotional. You know, I mean, we came out of that um, 2020 lockdown and, um, we sold a few houses off market between sort of that October and Christmas time. Those that went on market flew. Yep. Uh, and we were just moving one buyer to the next property to the next property and just that emotional, passionate, like I need something new and yep. I'm excited about that, you know, and it was actually really enjoyable to, to do that. And we were obviously getting great results and prices for our vendors as we always do anyway. But it was kind of like people are going, I'm, I'm happy to spend more because um, I really, really want this place and I can see the value in it and the quality. Um, and the good news is, is obviously if you're buying in great spots and you're buying great real estate, you know, you can't lose. Um, so it was a win-win for everyone.
So you just sort of rode that wave. Yeah. So I guess coming back to my point before where I said that the um, the we were a little bit more up and down and I guess that the confidence played a bigger part. Interest rates have, have certainly had a fairly significant impact on that yeah. sector of the market as well. Have they done have they had much of an yeah. impact in that prestige market down your way? Yeah, look it look it has. Um, I suppose what I'm noticing is the number of perceivably genuine conversations with prospective buyers that we had are now just dissipating um, into a lower level of genuine parties because everyone's clearly really just delving and delving into finding better value all the time, lower prices, um, scared of paying too much um, and going, look, I don't have to buy. I don't need to do anything. I found that the conversations used to be a lot stronger with more people before the interest rates um, okay. were affected because there was just a, a slight less um, sort of limitation put on you. Um, so one minute you think you've got three or four buyers on a house yeah. and you kind of go through all the motions and then it dwindles down to one. And even that one buyer needs so much encouragement and so much reassurance to get them over the line. In fairness to them, I completely understand it. But it's a very hard read for an agent and a vendor for a campaign at some of, with some of these properties. Yeah, so the, um, so the demand levels have been dropping then? They have been dropping. Yeah. They have been dropping. Uh, absolutely, for sure. Um, and, and that's the thing. The last few deals that we've done, um, we have managed to find the ideal buyer for it, but it has taken time. Um, if it hasn't taken time, it's taken a lot of energy and a lot of work with that buyer to get them over the line yeah, okay. um, and to bring it all together. So, I mean, I thrive and absolutely love doing it that way. But, yep. you know, it's obviously, you know, great for, for your vendors and great for the agents if you have a few people to work with and it's got some flow to it, um, whereas at the moment it, it really doesn't. So, for, for Anna and I here at Fredman, it's a matter of really getting to understand as best as possible um, those that we're dealing with on a buying uh, perspective, yep. working out exactly what their criteria is, what you know, what is actually important versus not important, real budget, you know, not not sort of aspirational real budgets, and trying to connect them with the right houses. So, um, what when you talk about the demand that is there at the moment, what are you are you seeing most of? Is it are you seeing a lot of upsizes, downsizes, yeah. people wanting to renovate? Um, what yeah. are you seeing? Because I know the the renovation market dropped off pretty significantly yeah. for a while. They're just due to yeah. um, difficulty in being, getting access to builders, but also yeah. the cost and things. What what type of buyers are you seeing? Um, the renovation market has actually picked up in the last okay. couple of months. Yeah, right. We've had some properties that have been, you know, they, they have some beauty to them, but they need a hell of a lot of work. Um, and we've actually been attracting quite a good market for them. However, where they position their perception of price is a lot lower than where we were hoping. Yes. Because again, it's the matter of how much of the material is going to cost and my time and interest and all that sort of stuff. So when you thought, for example, that you know your land value was at eight, people can spend a million doing the doing the work, we're getting offers in the mid sixes or high sixes yeah. or even seven if you're lucky. Um, and that works up to the $10 million price point as well. Um, but that definitely there's a volume that is higher on those that want to renovate, which is really good to see because that really fell off yep. for a while. Um, so it's great that people are kind of going, getting that passion to, to renovate. Um, the, the most obvious buoyancy is in the ready-to-move-in, finished, yes. got a good land component, good garaging, that sort of stuff. Um, and, yeah, 
and people are really excited for those houses. It just saves them the effort to do it. So that's still obviously steaming ahead. Um, but also people looking to build um, brand new. We've had some people with budgets up to 20 wanting land. Okay. Um, but again, you know, they're actually, some of them are coming from the Turak area. Some right. of them are coming. From, that value for money, uh, like you mentioned before. Yeah, yeah, value for money. I reckon on the land value, they don't, you don't really get much bang for your buck there. In comparison, we actually look all right, you know. So, yeah, and um, the, are the developers really, around? So you, you're in terms of not just, um, say, apartments, but townhouses or even um, those that yeah. are looking to just build the single dwelling to then sell off at some stage? Yeah, there actually are. There are a few. Um, yeah, there was um, – there's been a couple of, of lovely properties that have been bought well by a developer or a builder and they're looking to flip. Okay. Um, those houses and even some townies, um, you know, so it's actually picked up for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, and so what are your expectations for the year ahead? Um, for the, for the balance uh, look, of 23? I, um, I really think it's just going to continue on a supply versus demand basis. Um, if the an amount of listings pick up, um, I feel that, um, hopefully the number of buyers I think will pick up as well. Um, a little bit more of a selection for everyone. Um, I think in that case, if we do see some more stock, the prices will continue to, to waver a little bit. Um, if the stock sort of remains quite low like it has been, buyer demand I think in any case is going to be growing and growing. I just I can sense this buoyancy, uh, the inquiry's been up, um, especially at the, at the top end. Um, there are people wanting to act and actually making offers on properties genuinely. So I feel like that's going to progress during the year. I'm just really interested to see what kind of stock comes on the market. Um, but I think it's going to be quite exciting. Just when people, but just when people say, "Oh, you know, uh, it's probably going to, you know, drop off," and you know, buyers are saying to me, oh, you know, "I'm waiting, I'm waiting," and I'm thinking, "Look, the odd thing is going to sell in your eyes quite cheaply. The odd one, yep. because of some compromise that it has, that's Correct. you know, quite uh, obvious to the the general market. But anything that is uh, desirable is still holding really strong. We've got a couple of houses off market at the moment where we've got offers that." are at least 10% above market value in our opinion. Um, and, you know, we've only had two or three buyers through the house. Okay. So it's really interesting. Um, so I'm actually quite excited for it myself. It certainly yeah. feels better, I think, this year than what the way things finished prior to Christmas. There just seems to be a little bit yeah. more momentum. It's not to say that prices are jumping or anything like that, but there just seems to be a bit more activity oh, and a bit more momentum around. Oh, absolutely. The last, um, that sort of last five or six months of last year compared to the first six was complete polar opposites yeah. and a really, um, you know, tricky transition um, for, for an agent and for a vendor. Um, you know, just when you thought you were selling a house, everyone drops off completely and then you had no buyers. Yeah. Um, and that was really, really interesting. And everyone just wanted to get to Christmas and just go, look, we're knackered. Yes. Um, we've had enough. I could definitely tell the buyers were just so fatigued, so confused, wanting to reset. And I kept saying to everyone, I'm like, everyone just needs a rest sometimes. You know, you burn yeah. out with this stuff. The agents burn out, the vendors burn out, the buyers burn out. And it's like, look, just give us the Christmas, give us some good weather. And then you come back and bang, you know, and we sold a few actually relatively quickly compared to the last six months in that sort of Feb month. And um, we're like, look, everyone's back a bit. Everyone's back. So as long as that energy continues, um, we should be fine. Yeah.
Fantastic. All right, well, that's about it for today. Joel, I really appreciate you giving us some time uh, and that'll be some great insights for our listeners to uh, understand particularly what's happening in the prestige market um, around the Bayside areas, but also in comparison to others. So thank you very much for making some time. Oh, mate, absolute pleasure. And I really, really enjoy talking to you. Um, You know, and every time we do talk about real estate, it's just so there's so much passion in there. Um, and uh, we all want to do a great job for our vendors. So well done with uh, providing great intel. It's really good, mate. Thanks, mate. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers, mate. Bye. So thanks very much for joining Joel and I today for episode 49 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. Um, As always, please feel free to share the podcast far and wide with uh, family, friends, and colleagues, and anyone who may have an interest in property. if you would like further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, as always, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. And if you'd like more info on Joel and his business, uh, his company website is fredman.com.au. And as always, we wish you all the best with your property decisions.